welcome to the Topic of Conversation with your host, Rob Scoggins, Jr. Hey everybody, I'm Rob Scoggins and this is the Topic of Conversation. Welcome to it. Downtown Denver every Wednesday night. Here we are at the original Brooklyn's and we are here 100 yards away from where the Broncos play and we are privileged and honored to be at original Brooklyn's every Wednesday night, so come down and join us. And we are honored tonight, the topic tonight is entrepreneurship. It's also women in business, young women in business. It's also about um, corporate real estate. So you can put all that together and we have our guest tonight. Uh, she is a lovely lady. And uh, before I get started, I, I have to tell you that I am honored and privileged to work with a wonderful staff week in and week out. My, my director producer, uh, Matt Schiff, and of course, Will Hartman, my technical director and chief editor and everything he does. Uh, he's doing my, he's actually the executive producer even for the show. And of course, Steph uh, helps out on online stuff. I just can't do it without him. And I appreciate them so, so much every weekend and week out. We're here every Wednesday night here at the Original Brooklyn's for the topic of conversation. And I'm very, very happy uh, to be here tonight. Tonight's guest is a special treat because we we were, we might have a pro, we might have a female president in this United States of America maybe 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 not, but um, I invited a president from a company, uh, the Quantum Group. She is lovely. She is talented. She's going to tell us how she did it, what drives her, what moves her to work in corporate uh, real estate. Her name is Allison Kirschbaum, and she is the president of the Quantum Group right here in Denver, Colorado. How are you? I'm great. How are you, Rob? In this fun. Very. Isn't it just neat, huh? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You, you're friends with uh, Laura um, Copper Twat. No, Laura, <laughs> who was on the show months ago. And that's how we got to meet you. And um, you, were, you were so, you, you had such a good time with, with that. And I got to talking to you and I said, hey, your turn. And you're like, well, all right, what will we talk about? You. We're going to talk about you. <laughs> you can't beat that. You can't beat that. When, no. you, when we talk about your company and talk about you and what you do and how, how you did it. Um, you're not. You're not. You're not from these parts. You're from Elizabeth. You're from a little bit western east. What is that? East. East. It's a part of Colorado that looks like Kansas. And I'm not actually from Elizabeth. I'm from outside of Elizabeth. Right. Think. Think dirt roads and the, the spot where uh, Little House on the Prairie had their tornadoes and, and blizzard scenes filmed. That, wow. That's, that's where you're from. Yeah. Wow. How did you live? Oh, it was tons of fun. It was. It was, was a big adventure every day. Down a dirt road. So when Alan Jackson sings "Down a Dirt Road," that's like your house. Where the blacktop ends. Yeah, yeah. we sang that song that's the all best the time. Song. It was that's a so great song. accurate. Country music, a big part of your life. Oh yeah, growing up, absolutely. Yeah. Every, every weekend from the time I was probably eight to, to eighteen, we built fences with my dad around our property every weekend, blasted country music out of the truck. And, and just good, good, solid music. It's always good. You know, some of the best ballads ever written are country. Some of the best love songs ever written are country, and some of the best. You know, fun songs too. I agree. And now they're they're grouping Jimmy Buffett in there because he's Caribbean soul. Where else are you gonna put him? Plus, he's from Alabama and lived there, and you know he's not. You know, he's from the South, so that he he yeah. gets grouped in there. And of course, everybody like you know Zach Brown Band and and uh, Kenny Chesney. They love him, and Alan Jackson loves him too. So bring him in, right? Oh yeah. Is your dad a is your dad a Jimmy Buffett dude? Uh, not so much Jimmy Buffett. He loves uh, Alan Jackson, Kenny yeah. Chesney, yeah, all, the big, all, all those the guys. guys. Yeah. Uh, Trace Atkins. Yep. Yeah. yeah, my mom is more Trace Adkins fan. Toby actually. Keith. Toby Keith, yeah. yeah. So you'd, you'd build fences. Uh, we did for, yeah. well, t for several years. Yeah, every weekend. My, my two younger brothers, my dad and I. And how old were you when you did that? I was probably, I'll exaggerate a little before, I was probably eight, to, between eight and 12. Well, eight and 12, that's young, building fences. And did he pay you? Is that where it started? Oh, what? You're going to give me what? Give oh, me no. Green? That, no, no. No, not Did that. it start in the womb with you? Did you? Pretty no. much. That's what my family and says. And you're the middle child, right? I'm no, the you're the oldest. You're the oldest, yeah. yeah. Yep. Oldest, oldest of three, correct? Yep, two younger brothers. Allison, when, 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 
I mean, when you came, <laughs> you you said it yourself when you came out of the mom, your mom, mm-hmm. and and it happened, and you're like, I, I want to. Did you just ha- hold out your hand and say you owe me? No, for giving, oh, no. To, for giving birth to this wonderful child. No. No, although my mom would probably definitely say that I owe her now because apparently I was a horrible baby, and they were knew you? then they knew then that I was extremely type A, and it never stopped. You were, you were a bad baby. I was horrible. I was really colicky. Explain. Oh, no, that's bad. Yeah. Well, I, I wouldn't sleep more than two hours at a time, round okay. the clock, for like the first two years. Do you sleep better now? Uh, sometimes. I, I still have trouble falling asleep because I, only, I, I still have so many ideas buzzing around in my head. I just, I don't like to sleep. I'm afraid I'll miss something. I only need five hours. I just oh, you lucky dog. Five hours. Oh, good. my God. Someday, I, that's one of my life goals five is to hours. get to that and, point. And I, sh- I shrink <laughs> the, I think that happened when I was on cruise ships. I, 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 I shrunk it down to five. That's all I need. And you just kind of trained yourself. Yeah, because two to seven. That's when I would sleep. Two, oh, three, yeah. four, five, six, seven. Done. Up here. Working. Yeah. And not, not now. <laughs> I will stay in bed now. But um, <laughs> so it was really at age eight to 12 is really what molded you to become a little, little entrepreneur, right? Um, I'd say it was probably my whole life. When I, I must Even have been, a toddler? I, well, I don't remember a whole lot about being a, a toddler, except that I used to try and, and sell my toys to my brothers for what little money they had. And, wait, and wait, 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 wait. But, but what type of toys did you play with? Because they, they might buy a Barbie. They'd be like, hmm, 10 bucks for a Barbie? All right, here you go. Yeah, I, I remember having Barbies, but I, I'm right. much more like to, to color and draw. So I would, so I would create. What, what would you sell them? Um, I would sell them my stuffed animals, you know, <laughs> stuffed bears and stuff like that. But also when I drew pictures, I would say, here, you should buy this. Or, or yeah. crafts that I made. I made crafts 24-7. When so, I was eight, I remember having to-do lists of crafts that I had to make. I had a to-do list from the time I was eight years old for forever and ever. But really? It, it was never anything useful, like chores or anything. It was always to-do, must do these these crafts. Must, like I'm going to chew gum at two. I'm going to do a cartwheel at three. No, that 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 oh, came later. Okay. But I was so that, that came later. Yeah, I, yeah, I was so worried I'd be bored after school hours and on the weekends that I made to do lists of crafts mm-hmm. and things that I should do. So, so and and that worked for you. Oh yeah, yep. It, it was much easier for me to start the whole scheduling my day and and getting your your most valuable priorities done and all that. Uh, I have a journal from when I was 15 that has, like you just said, an hour by hour schedule of uh, get up at five and, and study and then school and um, and then do take care of our animals before and after school and after school, what I would do and what I would read. What's in the DNA of it? You said you've already admitted that you're a type A person, oh, yeah. but you're extremely type A. You're like A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A. Oh, yeah. I'm about as high as it gets. Like you give triple A a run for its money. A. Like when Fonzie walks over to you, <laughs> A, right? A. So... A, 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 like an extreme A type personality. Explain that to the people who are listening because a lot of people don't know the difference between, everybody says I'm type A, I'm type B, I'm bipolar, I'm, I'm fat, I'm sinny, I, I like food, I like to drink. Explain to <laughs> us what, what type A, extremely type A people are like. Just give me a couple of adjectives. Uh, combative, driven, uh, obsessive, workaholic. Mm-hmm. Do you um, number your leadership. socks? Do you number your socks? You know, I don't. Okay, well, then you're not that bad. I have a friend who numbers his socks. Oh, that, that's like more one, a function one, two, of personality. Two, two, three, three, four, so, four. So, okay, here, here's the thing. Um, type A and Type B are very antiquated measures of personality thought up by, I don't even remember how long ago it was, the 40s and 50s maybe. No. And then we have all these other personality measurements nowadays. Like you just said, I, I'm, I'm laid back, I'm outgoing, I'm whatever. Those are things that can happen with a Type A person. But okay. type, type A versus Type B basically means that you're extremely driven versus being pretty laid back. And everybody is on the continuum, so to speak. I'm just very, very high on the Type A continuum. And there's only A and B. There's nothing more. There's no A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Well, like I said, it's an antiquated measure of personality. Because if you, sleep a, if you sleep a lot, you're getting Zs. So you should be Z, <laughs> correct? Theoretically, yeah. yeah. Okay. But nobody has come up but with no. that But no, and if you're, you know, if you're just lazy, you should be L-type. Right. Oh, that's so true. 
Yeah. Yeah. And have, if you're dumb, you should be, if you're dumb, you should be D type. If you don't want to learn anything, <laughs> if you're visual, you should be V type. Yeah. And the list goes on and on. Yeah. 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 And if you're just a non-person, you should be in. <laughs> I don't know. But so, so, and then Stare, what's the bee type? What's, what's, the, what's the biggest thing about bees? So, well, that's the thing about bees is they're hard to define because nobody likes to say that they're type B. I'm type B. Wait, okay. So you, I, have you a, probably... I have a positive blood, but I'm type B. Oh my word. Uh, so type B, the only definition I was able to find for that is they're the opposite of type A. So they're very laid back and they're, they're not as neurotic and they're not as, um, they kind of let life flow instead of trying to control life. Oh yeah, that's me. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. If that wasn't sense. for the boys, I'd be, I'd be lost. <laughs> Where am I going? <laughs> I kind of doubt that. Yeah. But. No, maybe not. So when you were 12, the big, big things happened when you were 12, right? I mean, in your life, when you, when you realized, hey, people will pay me to watch their dogs, to, to mow their grass, to do whatever. I mean, you, you were this, would you consider yourself a tomboy? Were you a tomboy? Oh, yeah. You like to climb trees? Oh, yeah. Because I wanted to climb higher than anybody else. Right. Did you, but you had Barbies. I, I did. They were just—they just weren't the focus of imagination. So you wanted—you—you you wanted to climb trees higher than your brothers. Oh yeah, I, I wanted to do everything better than them. You know, shoot a bow, shoot a gun, ride a horse, whatever it was. I wanted to do it better than them. Right? You rode—you rode horses. Yeah, and I could do archery from horseback too, bareback. Wow! Like like you see in the movies. Not always extremely well, but I could do it. You'd be bareback or the horse? It's both. Oh, okay. well. Oh, 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 come on. <laughs> All right. Well, I get it now. Get Lady Godiva. They, they, yeah. Yeah. No, get, but you would, so, so you, you rode bareback and you can shoot a bow. Anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's pretty damn impressive. What can you hit? Did you hit anything? Um, I always tried to hit those darn wascally wabbits, but it, it never worked that well. So I could hit a post. What's about <laughs> it? <laughs> What's the secret to bareback riding? What is that? You got to grip with your knees, but not your calves. Ow. It gives you really strong legs. I'm sure it does. I'm telling you. How? So. Okay, but, and it was Appaloosa? Or no. A pa- or a paint? Neither. She was, Neither. A, she was a sorrel. Uh-huh. A, a sorrel? <laughs> a sorrel. S-O-R-R-E-L. It, it basically means a caramel-colored horse. She was shiny mm. like a copper penny. But it's oh, a really common really type pretty, of horse. It's a pretty looking horse. Yeah. Oh, she was. She was beautiful. Yeah, Appaloosas are crazy and paints are plain. They're everywhere. Well, see, Appaloosas are crazy. I'll give you that. I drove. I rode an Appaloosa <laughs> in Florida. I so you know, it. his name was Chief. He was a big boy. Oh, yeah, good horse. Yeah, but yeah. So okay, so you did that. So you, you're you're competitive as a young age. Sports was sports in your life? Um, not very much. It was really more about the businesses, like you said. The whole the whole pet sitting business started when I was nine. That was nine? my that was my first business. Yeah. I mean, how many people were out there in rural Elizabeth? Colorado. There's not much out there. I mean, there's more now. Well, our, but back then, our subdivision had about 50 people in it. For a nine-year-old, okay. that's enough. The, that's a, that's lot. a lot of pets out there. And they all had animals. Oh yeah, lots of and animals. Did, and and you're you're probably you know adorable little girl, and you walked over to their house. Can I watch your or walk your dog? Or I mean, who needs who needs somebody to walk their dog when you live in the country? No, it wasn't walking the dogs. It was more like, oh, I'm going on vacation. Can you watch my horses and my goats and my dogs and my cats and my chickens and all this stuff? So watch the farm. Yeah. So you much. you were farm you were farm sitter. In a, in a That's way. a big deal. It's a lot of responsibility for a nine-year-old. Well, my biggest client was this gal who lived next door who had five dogs and six cats. And if you let them, if you let the big dogs play with the little dogs, the big dogs would eat the little dogs and the cats would eat the little dogs. Literally? And, yeah, literally. So it, it was more a matter of keeping it from being a bloodbath when she got home. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And, and, what, and what, did, what did one earn back then at the age of nine? What would they give you for watching the farm for, let's say, the weekend? Ooh. Three days. Um, I, I'm Friday, guessing Saturday, here. Saturday. I don't really remember. It was, it was like between, between 20 and $40 a day. Wow. Yeah, pet sitters make good money. They make a lot wow. more than that these days. Wow. So I've always, well, I've always you didn't had pet money. sit. You farm sit. Pet sitting to me is watching one pet. Okay. Well, in that you case, know? yeah, it was farm sitting. Yeah, you farm sit. You watched more than one animal. Many. And that yeah, deserves more than one dollar. 
Oh yeah. yeah. Even for a nine-year-old. So did you have to feed them oats? Did you feed, did you do the feeding? Oh yeah. Well, see the thing yeah. with, with all large animal owners will know this. The thing with large animals is that you have to feed grain on some days and just hay on some days. It has to be at the right time and they have to have the right temperature water. And if something goes wrong, it's a very big expensive bill. So you got to do it all at the right time and in the right so amount. That's a lot of responsibility for a nine-year-old. These, these people must trust you and love you to say, you're going to take care of my animal. And mm-hmm. if you feed it the wrong way, it's going to die. Pretty much, yeah. I, I was the preferred pet sitter. I even had people call me and tell me, my other pet sitter, this grown woman, let the cat out and it's never come back and you never did, so I'm going to hire you. <laughs> that should have been the name of your company. I don't, let let the, th- I don't let the cat out of the bag. Oh, you know, I didn't have business cards until I was 12, but I yeah. totally should have created a business card. Or I won't let that. the dogs out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that would have been perfect. Or, or I'm lactose intolerant, but I'll still milk your cow. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been perfect. Yeah. Oh, yeah. but yeah, when I, when I was 12, you're right. Big things happen when I was 12. And that's when I started my first products business. I made handmade jewelry and handmade soap. Oh, which, wow. Handmade soap? Yeah. Which if oh, you don't wow. know, you have to boil the stuff. It okay. Let's, let's talk about the jewelry first. Okay. So Allison, uh, uh, Kirschbaum. 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 Yes. There you go. And, and the Kirschbaum is, you said it was licorice? No. Uh, it? It's German for cherry tree. Kirsch is German for cherry. And then mm. bomb is tree, like in a tannin bomb, Christmas mm. tree. Mm. So a uh, cherry tree, Kirschbaum. Your, your last name is Allison Cherry Tree. Yes, which means that our ancestors way back in 9th century Germany were probably cherry farmers, but yeah. that's okay. We might have just found the titles of the show. Oh, yeah, there right. you go. So um, let's go back to homemade jewelry. Yep. So now I'm a, I'm a bit older than the crew and you, and um, we they would do friendship bracelets, you know, little strings. You can still mm-hmm. buy them at the Dollar Tree from what I hear. Oh, yeah. And you can make the, you know, the kits and make the friendship bracelets. And, yeah. And do rubber band art, and then and then what type of what type? Of, that's what I'm envisioning that a, a nine or twelve year old oh, girl would no. do. That, no, that but you're you're, you're hardcore. That's that's oh, bes- yeah. that was beneath you, right? That was beneath me. Those are quarters. Those are quarter jewelry. Yeah, you made I, the big step. What did you make? I made things with semi-precious stones. At one time, I could rattle off the names of a hundred semi-precious stones that I used in my jewelry. Literally one hundred. Can you name five at least right now? Uh, and yeah. what color they are? Lapis lazuli, what, which, is, what, what, which is deep blue with uh, gold flecks. Sodalite, which is like a denim color with white streaks. Mm. Um, malachite, which is dark green with deeper green streaks. Rose quartz, which is pink, and blue lace agate, which is light blue with little white streaks through. Wow! I always told my mom I was going to come home with a big old, you know, western ring. You know, oh, yeah. some really pretty like Western. Yeah, or something. Some, oh, and yeah. she says, oh, that's so common. Oh, like, not a good piece of turquoise. Did you no. know that most turquoise that goes in those rings, if you don't get it from the right jeweler, it's actually powdered turquoise. It's been mushed together and dyed. Oh. It's the jewelry equivalent of lunch meat. We'll have to go shopping together. Oh, yeah. You'll have to get You're me on. my ring. Okay. So <laughs> you did that. That's, that's pretty high-end stuff. It, For a young girl, 9 to 12 years old, making that type of jewelry. It's all How, yeah. But you could afford it because you're... Barn sitting. Hey, I mean, yeah. you're, I had startup capital. So now I'm calling good. it barn sitting. Yeah, that's probably that's probably pretty accurate because everybody there had a barn. Another card you could have had. I'll watch the barn even if there's animals in it. <laughs> huh? That's right. There you go. There you go. Okay, yeah. so uh, so you made all that money from barn sitting there. Therefore, you could afford to buy the expensive pieces of make the jewelry. Exactly. And yeah. did you sell the jewelry for a reasonable price? What did you? Oh yeah, I I would, made um, I made several thousand dollars a year with that, which is fairly good money for a twelve year old. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and yeah, the if thing you make a thousand dollars a month, that's twelve thousand dollars for a twelve-year-old. Well, I don't think I made quite that much. Oh, okay. I, obviously, I didn't keep very good books at that age, but yeah, it, it's several thousand dollars a year. People don't do it at, at my yeah. age. Yeah. <laughs> People don't keep good books now. I know, right? Yeah. Well, the, the most important thing was I started that business so I could buy a horse. You know, it's every little girl's dream is to buy a horse, and I did eventually Wait, when, is I was, it? when I was fifteen. Is so, it? I'm going to ask yeah. every little girl now. Aw. Well, they'll probably say what? a pony. But. No, they're going to say I want a reality show. 
That's true. They're not going to say I want to pony. But that, that business was really important <laughs> because really cool. I, I learned how to cold call when I, at 12. I had this really professional sounding sales script and I cold called like literally. Did you write the script or your mom helped you? I wrote the script and my dad approved it. Can you, so. can you give us, do you remember any of it? Um, ring, I ring, you want to start? Go ahead. The only line I remember is, hi, my name is Allison. I'm, I'm a local jeweler and I have a great line of handmade jewelry that you might like to sell in your shop. But the problem was that my script dropped off there, which really left it to the customer, which I learned later you should never do. Right. And I sound it, apparently You're I like, sound like, when can I come in? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. When can and, I come in and show you? And yeah. I had, I sold in 10 shops concurrently eventually. So something went right. Wow. 10 but, shops? Yeah. Outside, just like little, outside of Elizabeth or? Yeah. And mostly in the town of Parker, which is close to Elizabeth. Sure. And nice size Just town. little salons and, and places that have jewelry and stuff on consignment. And what, the, what, were the, what were the necklaces or earrings uh, sell for? Um, between 12 and $55 usually. I had a few pieces up to 100 Wow. Yeah. So w- during that time, you're 9 to 12 years old still. And, and you're selling the jewelry, making mm-hmm. decent money. Um, and then... Taking the jewelry and just thinking of this way, did you ever figure out and be a little even more entrepreneur and find out which one sold the best and yeah. kind of just crank that one out? You know, I never had a chance because I was all about making variety. I never made the same thing twice. Oh, okay. So, so now, you, if I went back to it, I would so do that. So unique, unique jewelry. Oh, yeah. Okay. Exactly. And so. you, how long did that last? Um, about four, four or five years. So I was 17 wow. or 18. So through high school. Yeah. Just, well, it, it petered out uh, over time. Sure. But it, you got older some of my shops more. lasted that long. That's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. and then eventually I, I had a, I had a bakery for a while out of my mom's house, it, you know, just, Baking just cookies. a little thing. I, yeah. Cookies and, and brownies and um, cheesecake and, and everything you can think of. And then would you, would you take all the things? So you took your, you took the um, jewelry and the baked goods to like a fair or did you, did you do any of that type of stuff? Uh, each of them have a different model. The, the jewelry I took to craft fairs all over. Yeah. I have video of me at a craft fair, like at a high school, you know, how they set up tables with their, their booths and everything. I have video of me at like 12 years old, this blonde kid literally walking into the aisle and pulling some guy out of the stream of people going, sir, if you finished your Christmas shop, you should try this on. You would love this. Your wife would love this. You know, all this stuff. I mean, literally pulling people out of the aisle to sell them. You know, that takes a lot of guts. Do you think so? But Absolutely. I, I never, I didn't know that at that age. There's um, a lot of people who at that, at that age do not have that in their DNA. And the ones that do always want to go into show business. They always want to be on stage or entertaining. Yeah, you I want, wanted that too. Did you? Did you? Yeah, at, at some I, point, you wanted to be a little entertainer? Oh, yeah. Well, my, my poor mother, she was re- recording all of our home videos on a CD a couple of weeks ago. And she told me that I was the one who would like pull the camera toward me and say, watch me, mommy, for, for literally 25 hours of, of videotapes through my entire young life. So I was totally that person. And what was your gift? Was it singing, dancing, or acting? Um, singing and speaking, actually, I did voice so for a singing, while. So singing and acting, yeah, yeah, right. mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah. Uh, any any anything that you're proud of when you were a little little actress, a little, little starlet? You know, I never actually went into theater and and didn't do a whole lot of performance for voice. It was okay. mainly sales oriented. Mainly sales oriented. Yeah. yeah okay. All right. So uh, at 12 years old, you're doing all that stuff. I mean, you're making some decent money at that age. I mean, for for. You know, for being a, a rural kid, a rural, did I say it right? Rural. Yes, there you go. Um, out there in, in, uh, in, 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 you know, Eastern Elizabeth, mm-hmm. uh, out there on the prairie, right? Yep, yep. Allison, from then, from, from your teenage years, obviously you were still, you're still making jewelry. Mm. A little bit. No, no. Er, oh, okay. I'm sorry, teen years. Teen, yeah. teen years. Yep, we're in your teen years. Uh, you're still making jewelry. Mm-hmm. You're still having fun. You're still being a teenager. What, what type of high school kid were you? I mean... Um, you mean, did I get in trouble a lot or something? Yeah, just type of high school. I mean, uh, categorize yourself. We all do it. We all categorize ourselves in some way, somehow, when it comes to high school. 
Well, you see, that was a special thing about growing up in my family because I never went to any kind of public school in my entire life. I was homeschooled from kindergarten through high school graduation. So uh, you don't get those stereotypes and those sort of boxes that other kids put themselves in. So hearing what other kids have have described themselves as during high school, I think I probably would have been categorized a nerd because I would would literally get up at 5 or 6 a.m. every morning to study medieval history and the kinds of things I really wanted to study. Um, just, but that wasn't part of my everyday classes before school. Then we'd go take care of our animals, do pet chores and all that. Cause we always had animals growing up Then we would do school and then we would get done and I would work on my businesses or I would read some more. So you were, you categorize yourself as kind of a nerd, yeah. tomboy, cowgirl. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, that's not bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so homeschool. So this is speaking, this is speaking volumes for home. I mean, the way you turned out, this is speaking volumes for homeschool. I totally believe that. And there is homeschooling is so misunderstood. There's this big, almost a conspiracy theory about how homeschooled kids are mistreated or um, they're not socially adept or any of those things. And and that can happen. Some personalities just don't do well, not, not being around uh, hordes of other young people their own age to force them to be social in some way. Um, but we never struggle with that. My youngest brother's going to school of mines. He just got a full ride scholarship from the air force last year. I won multiple awards for public speaking at Toastmasters. I, I feel that homeschooling gives you the opportunity to become what about the middle who you're child? supposed to be. My, my middle, middle brother's child? head's always been quiet, but okay. he's very good with but his hands. Good, he has so. a good job and so he has good. a good girlfriend. So, so there's, good there's, 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 there's mountains to be said about homeschool. It also has to do a lot absolutely. to do with the parents. Oh, absolutely. I, mean, I give my parents it. all the credit for that. What was the biggest reason that they told you? being the oldest and being the only girl and the pressures of, of, you know, having the pressures of being a girl in the United States and in high, you know, and they're saying, you know, you're, you're not going to go to traditional school. You're going to do it this way. By the time you were 12, you were like, this is fine. Correct? Oh yeah. No, no, it, it no, was no, normal. no question that you wanted to go. Did you ever want to go to when, when it was high school time after eighth grade, you say, well, mom, I just want to give it a try. Or are you like, I'm good with no. this? The more I heard from people I knew who were public schooled, the more I knew that my parents made the right decision. Okay. Because every single one of them said, oh my gosh, you're so lucky to be homeschooled. So who's the educator, mom and dad, or just mom, or just dad? I mean, Mom was a formal educator. She was the one who showed up on all the paperwork and all that stuff. And we took our tests every other year to make sure we were smart enough and keeping up with our grade level. She mm-hmm. was the one on the paperwork. But my dad was really good at educating us, like dinner table discussions and in real life things. Like I good. said, he he helped us um, learn how to build a fence, how to, how to skin a rabbit, how to how to run a business uh, so so learn how to build stuff. a fence in the morning skin a rabbit in the afternoon and run a business at night pretty much yeah that's pretty but cool he's, he started reading me um how to win friends and influence people when i was six Great and, book, and finance books when i was eight and it just started this lifelong love of learning how the world works and and how to be successful in it how much do you owe your parents everything I mean, everything they just they just mountains of, n- never could repay them no, for, I mean, for the gift they gave you. There, there is a certain amount to be said for who who someone is as a person. There are some things that, like you can never give a person drive or motivation. You can help them. You can you can push it along and you can encourage them. You can never give them drive. But they gave me everything else. They gave me the platform, the education, and the time like, through homeschooling to to pursue those things. I wasn't homeschooled, but I, I you know I, I I applaud the parents who can do it. Yeah. And I and I am a father, and I don't homeschool my son, but I applaud parents who can do it. Um, to the point of what I'm trying to get to is to, to, to take the time out of your day. I mean, they had to work too. I mean, they, you had three kids at home all the time. Mm-hmm. You had a mom. Did she work? Did dad work? I mean, there must have been a time where they just got you know, a little crazy when you guys were younger. Well, I, I'm sure my mom was pulling her hair out many, many times, um, especially because of me. 
But my mom was a stay-at-home mom her entire life. My dad made it one of his goals when they got married that she would be a stay-at-home mom, even if we weren't homeschooled and, and take care of the kids and take care of the house. And that's exactly what happened. My, my parents are really good at setting goals and sticking to them. Where are your parents from? They're, we were all actually born in Wisconsin. My parents lived there for their first 25, 30 years. Um, and then we all moved to Colorado in 2000. So do you like cheese and milk? I don't. I'm actually allergic to dairy. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah. my God, you're lactose. Oh, yeah. Okay. And then what about beer? Uh, yeah, another Wisconsin staple. No, I cannot drink beer because I'm also allergic to gluten and wheat. So therefore, so. you will never be living in Wisconsin. No. Okay, so I that's a state that you... I will not be going back permanently. And you lived there for this year when? Until uh, I was about six. Six, and then yeah. then turned to Elizabeth. Yep. Dad always wanted to be a farmer, always wanted to live in the country. Did he... He did. My dad is a farmer at heart. He always wanted to be a farmer, but he actually owns an IT company and has worked very, very hard at computer programming over the years because he knew that that would create a better life for us. And I'm so grateful to my parents for moving us to Denver and not, not letting us languish in some podunk town in sure. the Midwest. Um, I mean, there are some people who love small town living, but it, there are some opportunities you can never get unless you move to the big city. Are they city. still in Denver? Uh, yeah, they're south of Denver. They live in Parker. Okay. Nice. And then, and then brothers at Mines in Golden. Yep. And then, and middle brother is in Denver. Middle brother is also in Parker. In he, Parker. he works at a small motor shop. Down so a lot there. of you guys are in Parker. That's good. Yeah. So you didn't really town. move that far. So another thing is when, when, um, as you're growing up, you know, in high school going, you know, did you miss anything? A lot of people always say, oh, the poor homeschool kids, they don't get to go to prom. They don't get to go to football <laughs> games. They don't get to go to homecomings. They don't get to go to reunions. And you're like, who cares? Are you going to miss that in your life? Are you going to miss the reunions? Are you going to miss the homecomings? Are you going to, or do you have friends that you were, that were in your grade that you're friends with? I mean, how does that work? Um, I do still keep in contact with people that were in my grade. So that's good. I have a few good lifelong friends from that. Um, I did not miss prom or homecoming because we had what we call a homeschooler version of that called the Civil War Ball. And that gave me another opportunity to do something cool because I sewed two Civil War ball gowns and three Civil War suits from scratch for my family to wear. What? And, and then everybody gets together and does actual Civil War era dances in, in this big Western complex, uh, the one in Castle Rock. That's so cool. And, yeah, it was great. So no, I didn't miss prom or anything. Do you feel like you missed anything from being homeschooled? I mean, is there any part of your young life that, and, or your brothers, you can speak for your brothers too, because mm -hmm. I'm sure you're close to them. Um, is there any part of that life that you missed being homeschooled? You know, you touched on it a little bit before, and it, it, it's, it's going to sound very conceited, but the thing I think I'm going to miss about being homeschooled is that we're probably not going to have a 10-year or 15-year or 20-year class reunion. Yeah. And that's I'm going to miss my opportunity to show off and be like, ha, this is where I got to. <laughs> that's true. You can, <laughs> still so go. you can still go with your friends. True. You know, yeah. the grade that you would have, the, the year you would have been and kind of go, hey, how you doing? Hey, look at me. Yeah. You could. Yeah. Or, or you're just going to be, become the, the most talented woman to ever come out of there, and you're in the newspaper, and you're, or, you know, they're proud of you anyway. Create a good name for homeschoolers. Yeah. yeah exactly. Create a good name for homeschoolers and, and, and help the homeschool people realize this is a really good thing to do. Help the movement. Yeah. Exactly. Anything, do you, do you have, um, since you're such a lover of animals, do you have any animals at home? No, I don't, because that's another thing I'm allergic to. For some reason, when I, when I was 12, we found out that I'm allergic to basically everything on the farm. Dogs, cats, birds, the, so the, to, the mold and pot of plants. Off. Yeah. Well, oh, I, we still had the farm, but I just had to, to you know. But you couldn't watch the pets anymore. You couldn't do pets anymore. I, I could, but it took a lot of allergy medicine. Yeah. <laughs> it took a lot of Benadryl. <laughs> wow. Well, we've learned a lot about Allison so far, but when we come back, we're going to learn what she's doing now and how successful she's done it in such a short amount of time. I'm Rob Scoggins. You're listening to The Topic of Conversation. We're live right here at the original Brooklyn's, 100 yards away from where the Broncos play in downtown Denver. We'll be back right after the break. Thanks.
Hi, my name is Rob Scoggins. I'm the host of the Topic of Conversation. We are looking for great sponsors and we hope it might be you. Get your advertisement heard during the show on our podcast and on our website, thetopicofconversation.com. I'm Rob Scoggins, your host. Thanks. Hey, and welcome back. I'm Rob Scoggins. This is the Topic of Conversation. We are here live at the original Brooklyn's in downtown Denver, 100 yards away from where the Broncos play. And I just have to remind you very quickly, if you have, if you're in downtown Denver, join us on a Wednesday night. But also, if you have a party or if you have a reunion or if you have something coming up, uh, anytime uh, in the next you know, five years, 10 years, 20 years, this is a great place to do it right here at Original Brooklyn's in downtown Denver. Check them out. They've got a wonderful patio. They've got a great upstairs. They have incredible downstairs, TVs, great food, and incredible staff. Jimmy, Di, and the gang will help you uh, arrange your party or uh, reunion or whatever you're doing and have it right here at Original Brooklyn's. And then after, you can walk over to the stadium where the Broncos won the 50th Super Bowl. They didn't win it there, but they won it. And uh, and hang out there and kind of, so for your football fans or just, just Denver, and want to be downtown fans, come to Original Brooklyn's right here in downtown Denver, 100 yards away from where the Broncos play. We are having a great time here tonight at the Original Brooklyn's, and I am Rob Scoggins once again, and this is the topic of conversation, and we are talking about entrepreneurship, young young people, millennials. You can you can tag it with anything. You can t- we're, we're about to talk about commercial real estate and all this fun stuff that Allison Kirschbaum has done with her life. Uh, having a good time? Absolutely. That is fun. Okay, so you talked about it a little bit. You are not the stereotypical homeschooled kid. No. No, no, you're not. Not at all. Um, what differs, what, what do you, what do you, when somebody, when we, when somebody finds out that you're homeschooled and they're like, you are, what do you tell them? Um, I, well, first off I joke, oh yeah, I was raised homeschooled in Amish because that's the usual stereotype. Yeah. Um, and then next I say, well, <laughs> of course all the smartest people are. <laughs> that's pretty good. Good answer. Um, Thomas you, Edison and, and, uh, several other famous people were a lot. Yeah. Very yeah. good. I mean, you're in a long line of good people. You know, Matt Schiff, my director, producer, homeschooled. Good guy. Oh yeah. Yeah. Good guy. Awesome. Kudos to him. And uh, so let's <laughs> let's go back to one of your things when you were doing as a child. Before we get into what you're doing now, you made soap. Yes. You know, and were you just Mrs. Hygiene? Did you love to be clean? What was it? Or did you just like to carve soap or whittle or? No. <laughs> no. Actually, actually, it was none of those things. I'm not entirely sure how I settled on soap, except for the fact that I would regularly check out the library's limit of 50 books at a time, and they were all craft books. How wait, books? wait, wait, wait. You would you what? I would regularly check out our, the, the Parker Public Library. 50 Libraries. books? 50 books at a time, yeah. I, Did they, I, so the librarian knew you? Oh, yeah, my whole family, because frequently we would have to check out books under my brother's cards. And, you know, my, a little boy. Because boy's you'd not, reach your limit. Yeah, a little boy's not going to read a book on, on how to do seed bead weaving or, or, or soap making or any of the things that I did. So everybody well, pretty much knew. <laughs> if he's creative, you never know. Yeah. So, so soap. Yes. Is it hard to make? I mean, if I, could I make soap at home? You definitely because everybody's, ma- everybody's making beer at home now. So and I know. Well, and, and, I've never and, made beer, but I'm sure soap isn't quite that hard. No. So so there there are two ways to make soap, and I did the easier one because the harder one involves scalding hot lye, which can be very dangerous. Lye um, as in L Y E. It's mm-hmm. a uh, it's. I can't remember the uh, so, chemical so, term. But, it, but it's, it's something. It's, it's very acidic. Okay. Uh, it's very bad for your skin until you combine it with an emollient, like an oil, like avocado oil or shea butter or something like that. So what you're telling me is that the soap that you put on your skin on a daily basis is poison before it's mixed with this other stuff. Most things that, that you would put on your skin, or sometimes even in your body, like margarine, or were poisonous at some point. But yeah. Why would people put margarine on their skin? Uh, that goes in your body. But yeah. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, some it people might. <laughs> some people, yeah. Or, or it could go on your skin, I guess, if yeah. you're, if you're, want to get if really, really tan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> Some people may be buttering up. Yeah, I'm buttering up. Um, so uh, go ahead with the, so, with the lie. So it becomes yep. lie. Yeah. And the, the, the dangerous way to do it, which I wasn't allowed to do because I was 12. And you were a young and person, I, yeah. Yeah, and I, I would have ruined my mother's cooking pans by doing this or, or asphyxiated everybody. Uh, is you, you have to boil the lye and, and melt um, emulsifying oils with it and all that kind of thing. And I don't remember the whole process. But and your parents had no problem with you playing with poison. Uh, well, that's why I didn't do that method. The, the, ah, the other method. We're doing the we're going to safe. We're going to safe method. Okay, we're not doing we're not doing the Breaking Bad version. We're exactly. doing we're doing the PG version. That's right. Okay, P that's PG okay, version. PG. So yeah. PG version, the one I did, yeah. um, which is not quite as cool, is you get this brick of stuff, literally soap base from from a craft store like Hobby Lobby, which is what I did, sure. and melt it down, and you mix whatever you want with it. So I would mix in honey or orange juice or, or flavors and all this stuff that's really good for your skin. It smells really good. And the kicker, before I went to my first big craft sale to sell all this stuff, and I was so excited, is I sprained my ankle so badly I had to wear a cast. So I'm literally hopping around on crutches in my kitchen with this vat of boiling soap base. All right, well, that's always smart. Yeah, exactly. Okay. But I, I, I was very graceful as a kid. I never burned myself. Well, that's so, good. Yeah. And, and how big would this concoction be i mean would it just be this giant i'm thinking like i'm envisioning an ice cube and just pick away at it and you'd make little bars oh yeah is that, that kind of how, how it was? starts yeah. yeah yep so like giant giant ice cube ish looking thing of soap yeah and you break it into into yeah. smaller cubes or pieces could and you, you, you melt it and could you eat it you could be probably wouldn't want to well you put, all the, good, you put all the good stuff in it you're like True. And like putting pineapple and, and, and chocolate avocado and cocoa butter. And, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. All kinds of stuff. It's like a salad. Oh, a soap a salad. salad. Yeah. Soap yeah. salad. A soap salad. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, did so you yeah. ever, did you ever, when you were a kid, did you ever just, you know, you know, make a, a giant tub, you know, like you're carving and carving and then you have a soap tub? Because that's self-cleaning, and that's a great idea. That's true. I never thought of that. That <laughs> was know. the one thing I didn't do. Yeah. I, I made paper at one point. I made right. paper from scratch, and I, I wanted a huge sheet of paper, so I put it on an old patio door screen mm. that we had lying around, uh, which you have to put paper on pulp on a screen to make a sheet. That was mm. too much paper pulp. We so should we ended do up with this huge vat of like gray. <laughs> we should do that. We should get this giant big thing of soap, carve it out, and then go wash dogs and have a washing baby dog thing. Oh, that'd be a cute. Isn't that funny? Because it'd be yeah. fun. Because you could. It's a self-cleaning tub. That's that's true. <laughs> <laughs> and you can use all the perfumes, whatever you want. It'd be yeah. really good. And and as soon as the the soap is dissolved away, you wash enough dogs for the day. And then you're done. Yeah, it's gone. You you it's biodegradable. That's right. Eco-friendly. Eco-friendly tub. There you go. See the things. <laughs> New invention. Things to think we're thinking of. There we go. You um you did not go to traditional college. You're kind of self-taught. Yes. And all this stuff you're doing. Yes. So you are the president of Quantum Group. Oh, wait, no, there's a huge name. So there's a big name. The Quantum Group, uh, that you're the president, and, and, and I, I'm sure founder and owner and a bunch of other titles that can go along with that. Yes. How did you come up with the name? Um, it was all based on the domain name, to be honest, because the domain name for a company is extremely important. If your domain name doesn't have your company name, you're, I think the statistic is 40% less likely to, to have somebody who looks for you actually find your website and buy from wow. you. Wow. Or something like that. They but. won't Google you? Because you're on LinkedIn and you got a you got a you oh, got yeah. a meet, meet the, up group thing the you do. Quantum Group LLC on yeah. LinkedIn, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but no, so I, it was very important to find a, a domain name that I could use. So I finally found it. Quantumize.org is my domain name. Uh, it's our website for the Quantum Group. Um, and I tried a lot of things, but I wanted it to be something group. I thought it was great. You know how some people use their last name? Like you could have the Scoggins group or whatever it would be. Well, that well nobody good. nobody can spell Kirschbaum. People could probably spell Scoggins. I but they can can't barely spell pronounce it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so the Kirschbaum group was out. So yeah. unless I changed my name, which I, I threw out after a while, I, I finally yeah. found the quantum group. So the quantum group, there's a lot of other quantum groups out there who are the person or companies that use quantum. What does quantum mean? 
Um, quantum is a physics term. Mm -hmm. And uh, the way I understand it is it, it creates uh, speed and force out of something that has less speed and force to start with. My younger brother, who's an engineering student, could tell you more about it than that. But uh, the idea is that we can accelerate people's investment goals uh, bringing together lots of investors to create one big investor group. So I, like that. I thought it was appropriate. Idea. So you, you think of it this way. You have, th you have three different things you do within this group because you're, you're gathering money, you're mm -hmm. gathering investors, you're finding things to invest in, mm -hmm. but you're also selling things too. I mean, you're, you're, you're also involved in unloading them sometimes, you know, saying it's um, time, sometimes, to, yeah. time to let it go, right? It, it can be known, it's known as the exit strategy. Okay. And it depends on the investor's goals. A lot of people that I work with are what we call buy and holders. So yeah. they want to have long-term cash flow from the property. So we haven't run into a whole lot of exit strategies yet, but you're right. That is, would be one of my positions. So you were right out, right out of high school. You thought, okay, what do I want to do next? So let's say you, you graduated homeschool, high school. Mm -hmm. You had your, you had your little a diploma thing with your parents and family, beautiful ceremony. Yep. And then you went on vacation with them and that was nice. Okay. And now they're like, you're an adult now. Yeah. No more homeschool. We're done. Yep. Can is, and I, and I'm just, I'm just maybe educate me on this. Is there, is there home college? Is there homeschool college? I know there's no. online. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's online. I know CSU has a great online program. I know Arizona state has a good online program. There's a lot of schools. Uh, Northern New Hampshire, yeah. you know, all these random schools have really good online programs that you don't have to be oh, in yeah. classroom. Is there such thing as a homeschool university? No, there's no. not. And I looked into it at the time. Yeah. Um, but one thing, and so my plan was to go to a regular college at some point, if and when I decided exactly what I wanted to do. Did you have in. one in mind? Uh, I thought it would be business administration or something in linguistics because I always loved words mm -hmm. and, so, and languages. So really good majors. Did you have a school in mind too? Um, yeah, I don't remember, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, I, right. I would probably be something in Colorado, but I don't mm -hmm. remember for sure. That's fine. Um, one thing my dad always told me that was great advice was don't go to college and don't spend all that money if you don't know for sure what you're going for. He's a very smart man. I already told my son he's taking a gap year. In Europe, you take a gap year. Yep. You don't go straight. Oh, yeah. Euro Europeans take a gap. And I said, you're on the European program. He goes, I am. I said, you are. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said he appreciates that. Aww. You know, he just appreciates yeah. that gift. Of being told, you know, okay, I don't, I don't have to go right away. Of having choice, yeah. yeah. And, and the, I think that gives power, empowerment to a young person. It does. It certainly does. Especially when you're 18, 19 year old, you know what freaking know. Yeah, you got to get out in the world and see it a little bit. And that, that's exactly what my dad said. And being the adventurous go-getter type, I said, well, yeah, that's what I want to do. Is that what you did? Did you go see the world? I, well, not quite like that. I mean, I just, but, I decided but, to go did you travel a little bit? Actually, no. <laughs> you just stayed here, okay. I, I, I traveled vicariously through other people because sure. I got a job at a foreign currency company. Right. So after I graduated high school, I decided, well, I should, I should get it. I took my mom's advice for a bit and said, well, I should get a real job and, and see what people in the corporate world work like. So I, well, wasn't corporate to start with, but I took four part-time jobs concurrently at the holiday season at Park Meadows Mall, oh, which right. meant that my first job ever, I was working 60 hours a week. Yeah, and Park Meadows Mall is a busy mall. It was a zoo. Well, folks, if you're, oh, not, yeah. if you're not familiar with Park Meadows Mall, it's in it's basically DTC, Parker, Lone Tree, and Highlands Ranch. Just, bleh, you know, they everybody just, goes there. Everybody goes there. It's a beautiful place. Not it's just a shop, but to eat No, it's hang a beautiful out. mall. Yeah. Yeah, and it's got a lot of high-end stores in it, too. Mm -hmm. So continue, yeah. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm doing the selling, working with people, which I was always good at in my previous businesses when I, I learned to cold call. Not, and sell you're my not afraid to talk that. to people. Oh, yeah. Certainly not afraid to talk to strangers. Absolutely. And you'll call anybody. If they gave you a phone, as they call these people, you're like, all right. Yeah. So you had all the gifts uh, from an early age to be a very successful saleswoman. Yeah. And it worked out great for about eight months until I said, I don't want all these jobs anymore. And I'm only making, you know, between nine and, and $11 an hour in this 
this crap. You were more than yeah, you were your own boss from age nine to seventeen, and now you're like, I got to work for this person. I exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I had like five businesses for the, before I was eighteen. I did network marketing for a while, so yeah. yeah. Um, but at the time, I still didn't. I didn't quite feel that I was ready to jump back into the business world, like as a serious adult business person. So I ended up finding a job with a currency company who had a little kiosk in the mall, currency exchange. Um, and uh, most people don't know that currency exchange doesn't only happen in shares on basically on the stock market or the forex as they call yeah. it the stock market for currency. It happens in cash. So it if does. you're if you're like you said your son's taking a gap year, he goes to Europe. He needed some cash currency with him, right? Yes, he does. So all those people taking a gap year, people taking a vacation, people doing outreach, um, kids going on school trips like yep. my youngest brother did. They all need that cash currency. They do. So they would come to us and get it. And I did so well at this job, selling money to people, uh, basically. Selling you know, money, selling, yeah. I mean, selling exactly stuff what you're to, doing. to facilitate their vacation and, yeah. uh, and talking to them about their trip and getting them excited to go. So I'm, I'm going to walk over to you. I'm going, yeah. uh, what's, what, what's a good country that you dealt with a lot? England, UK, Any, Spain? Anything on the Euro. Can I yeah, go to Spain? Spain? Okay, Absolutely. I'll go to Spain. Hey, Allison, I'm going to Spain uh, next week. I need to uh, do what I need to do with you. How can you help me? Wonderful. Okay. So you're going to Spain. How long are you staying there? I'm going to be there for three weeks. Oh, that's And I'm awesome. just staying in Spain. I'm Barcelona. Ooh. Oh, Barcelona. Yeah. Oh, congratulations. So, you got you. tons yeah. of fun. I'm going to have so much fun. So I would recommend two things for you. Okay. First of all, you're going to need some cash. Everybody needs a little walking around money. Thank right? you. Yeah. You got to tip people. You got to buy drinks and whatever. Second, I would recommend that you take one of our cash cards that you can load foreign currency on. Uh, and then that, that can replace your credit card. You don't have the same risks as you do with your personal credit card. Something happens to it, you can get it replaced, and we can split that up evenly for you. Some on the card, some in cash, and we'll get you all set up and ready for your trip. So, how much does that card cost me? What do I? How much does that card cost me to do that? It's a three ninety five activation fee. Three ninety five. Everything else is free. Okay, yep. three ninety five. Okay, yeah. sure. All right. So I want to do that. Here's here's a, here's a thousand dollars. Can you split it up five and five? Yep, we can split that in half for you. And then from, from there, the sales process just kind of does, I, I do yeah. my thing on the computer and I chat to you about your trip and, and talk to you about the, where you're going to go. And then, of course, the, the, the financial differences between the euro and the, and the American dollar. And, and that kicks in at some point, yeah. yeah Most sure. uh, The biggest question I would get from people is, why does the euro cost so much more in person here than it does on the computer? Mm-hmm. That's because the computer rate is basically for huge bunches of currency traded at once, millions of shares on the Forex from right. basically between countries. Just like um, when your bank charges you money to use your credit card, which is just the U.S. dollar. It, it shouldn't have a fee because it's the U.S. dollar, right? Money always costs money. It costs sure money to move it. It costs money to store it. It costs money to, to trade it from uh, euro to U.S. dollar, whatever it is. So that's why there's always a markup. So I'm going to wrap this whole story for you. You were six years old when you, when you, when you realized I can start making a little bit of money on the side, right? About mm-hmm. six. So you already knew how to talk to people. You weren't afraid of neighbors or talking to strangers. I did that you, when I was two. Sure. <laughs> but I'm talking about when you, when you, were, when you had a conscious mind. Yeah. <laughs> so you weren't afraid to talk to people. You, were already, you already knew how to handle money at a young age. This is my money. I'm going to put some over here for savings. I'm going to spend some. I'm going to have fun. I'm being homeschooled. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Yep. I'm going to help out my parents. Maybe help out buy. I can buy a gift for my brother. Then you learn that that money, earning more money, can make bigger, bigger things like jewelry yep. and stuff like that. So you're making reinvestment, this, you, reinvestment, dividends. your dividends. You're yeah. putting that into a bigger jewelry investment. So you're, you know, hey, you're doing. And then you realize I'm allergic to animals, but I can do this. But I want to do this. And then you realize, hey, I can make other things. I can make exotic things like so. People will buy that. And then I. I do this and then and then all of a sudden you get a job after high school you go into the euro trade basically you go into money trading and you learn how money works internationally what a exactly. gift at a young age what exactly. a wonderful gift at a young age a lot of people still in, in their 30s 40s and 50s still don't understand how international money works and you have that gift already before you're 20 
I know. Isn't that amazing? That's incredible. It was a great job to have. What a great gift. And what a great job to get. Is that place still in the mall? Is that still in Park Meadows? It's still there. Yes. And what's it called? Uh, it's called Travel X Currency Services. Travel X Currency. What? Travel X Currency Services. Yeah, I'll let you say it. But <laughs> if you're listening to this and you and you and you hear about it and you hear you hear about that place through the show, uh, go there and say, you know, hey, your old employee Allison, uh, I heard about it through her, and they're gonna go, what? So is the same ownership, same people running it? Uh, the same manager still runs it. He'll remember me, but the employees change all okay, the time. Okay, so but the so, manager yeah. will. So yeah. that's cool. So after that, you did the you did the currency. Mm-hmm. And how long did that last? Uh, that lasted about three years because I got promoted so quickly that I became kind of a district manager for a couple of new stores in Texas. And we set records there. We were the first store to become profitable within its first three months of a new opening. Uh, we set up the first store next to the uh, F1 track in Austin, Texas. We had the, the first currency exchange in the airport to serve the people that came in for the F1 racing. Uh, we did some really cool stuff. Now, were they giving you bonuses and money that you feel like you were being uh, taken care of financially because you were doing all this great stuff for them? I, it wasn't really about the money at the time. It More was, about the experience. Yeah. Okay. I, I had a boss who really believed in me and who gave me all these chances. Even though I was only 19, every single one of my employees, I had this team of like 15 employees and I ran the currency exchanges in two cities in Dallas and Austin. I'm 19 years old. Right. Um, and he really believed in me and, and helped push me but forward. What drives you? What drives you? Is it the money? Is it the experience? Is it working with people? I mean, you're a young entrepreneur who has so much drive and you're, and you're, not, you're so young and you're still going strong and you're not done. Oh, no. I mean, you're going you're gonna to keep going. Um, but what drives you? I mean, what, what, what does it? It's obviously, I mean, because you're like, money, yeah, okay, it's there, and I get it. But, um, you know, if you're good at your job, you're going to get money. Yeah. Money if you're, is a tool. If you're a great bartender like they are here at the original Brooklyn's, you're going to make money. If you're a good person, you're going to keep your job. What keeps you going? It's the challenge. It's, it's this force inside that says, I can do better. I can go further. I can, I can climb that next mountain. I can make that next deal. I can do better than this. I can do better than myself. I can be better than the next guy. I can have the greatest business. And the, the, I can be at the top of my field. I can be the expert. I can mentor people. I can be a valuable force in people's lives. Let's talk about what you're doing now, the, okay. the, 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 quantum, the quantum group. Um, there are a ton of Americans, and I've talked to them, Mm-hmm. On, on Facebook, on internet, my friends, my family, my colleagues, just people at the bar, just anywhere. <laughs> they're terrified of real estate right now. Oh, yeah. Terrified. Know, some yeah. are. Now, some are not. Some are like, eh, whatever. You know, you know, there's ebb and flow. People always say, well, it's happened before. It's going to happen again. Some people are, are B types mm-hmm. when it comes to real estate. Eh, it's going to happen. Some people are A types. Never again. You know? <laughs> and yep. how do you as a real estate investor that you are mm-hmm. and you're commercial, not, not necessarily home ownership. And we've had a lot of home ownership on. We had, you know, Laura, your, your buddy, Laura has been yep. on the show. We had a great guy from Remax on the show and you know, it's, it's a different world in that world. Your yes. world is huge. We're going to get into that, but how do you tell people this is safe again? This is okay. Again, this is, it's a good investment. Give me your $25,000 and I'm going to give you $50,000 in five years. Now, that sounds good to me. If you walked over to me and said, do, do that, I'd be like, well, I'll consider it. But man, there's a lot of people who say, get the hell out of my face. This is never going to happen to me again. Mm-hmm. How do you convince them? I do not. Okay. Okay. So here's the thing about real estate. You cannot say that it's safe. No investment is safe. But I've heard, I've heard people online. I've seen the commercials. It's time to get back into your home. It's time to reinvest. It's time to blah, 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 blah. See, they can say that, but they can't say it's safe. 
Okay. So, so here's the thing. Any investment is much safer if you know a lot about it. Warren Buffett, richest investor in the world, some people would say, only Berkshire buys companies. Berkshire Hathaway, yeah. Yep. Only buys companies that he really knows because he's buying a business. He's buying a piece of a business. Anything is risky if you don't know what it is. Like I wouldn't, I don't invest in the stock market because I don't know almost anything I about any of those companies. I don't either. My father said never do it. But I know real estate. I, I can tell you what types of property make money in which environments. I can tell you why I'm doing the niche of investment in real estate that I do. So I don't want to have to convince people that they should do real estate because it has to be their choice. There are people that will and people that won't. Some will, some won't. So what? Right. You yes, and you knew this question's coming. I, I warned you. You asked me if, I, if any. <laughs> you asked me. You asked me. Any, are there any questions I need to be ready for? And I said this is probably the one. So I, I hinted you to this one. Everything in life depreciates. Yeah. Furniture. Human beings. We get older. Mm-hmm. We depreciate. We get our bodies deteriorate. We get older. Um, cars, life, things. Everything depreciates. What is the miracle of real estate? Why is a hundred dollar home? $100, excuse me. Why is a 100-year-old home worth so much? Because land is finite. And as time goes on, uh, considering Denver as an example, there are 100-year-old homes in, in Wash Park. Absolutely. Hill, we're we're right? in one right now. Right. Well, the, the original Brooklyn's is well over 100 years old, the right. structure. Yeah. Uh, but the cost to replace this building is so astronomically high if you were to replace it today. In big cities like this, that's one of the big reasons why real estate shoots up so fast. There's so much more demand after a certain number of years because cities have grown bigger and it's harder to live closer to the city center or to things that people want. Um, and also because the replacement cost is so high. In your professional opinion, looking around original Brooklyn's, just looking around and and knowing that, I know you've been around commercial real estate for a a while, so you know what brick and mortar and things cost. Mm -hmm. Looking around, knowing this is is a two-story building, very large, very wide, great patio, what would your estimate, I mean, to rebuild this building, what do you think it would cost? If this, you know, went down in a hurricane, what would it cost to rebuild original Brooklyn's? I couldn't even begin to fathom because I don't buy this type of real estate. I mean, I know, but would, would it be five million? I mean, ten million? Just give me a guesstimate. It, typically, it's done by square foot. Okay. So, it in this area, you could easily guesstimate between two hundred and and maybe even three hundred dollars a square foot. Again, that's a huge oh, wow. range yeah, because that's that's, that's not the type of yeah. real estate that I do. All right. Um, but yeah, it, in general, in commercial real estate in this space probably costs about that much to rebuild. What's the hot spot in Denver? Where 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 where's the best? Because I've asked this to every realtor person who comes on. I've asked it to Laura, who does, you know, kind of, you know, you know, I don't know what type of, I forget the type of real estate she does. And I asked it to to Mike, who does the Remax. Mm-hmm. Um, what, where's the hot spot? Because people always want to know where's the next best thing. We know, you know, when you when you talk to your stockbroker, what's what am I supposed to invest in? <laughs> what is the hot spot here? You mean as far as buying a home? Yeah, I mean, where, where do I want to invest? So if if I gave you twenty five thousand dollars, and where would you put it? Where would you find? What would you do? If if it were if it were my money yeah. and I was putting which it which it would in be a, because I'm handing it to you. No, it's still your money. I'm, right. I'm just I'm just handling it for you. You're that type of gal. All right. You all, I'm I'm still saying you want it to be your money at some point because that's how you make returns out of it. Yeah. Um. If it were my money, I was buying a house around here. I would buy either in Old Town, Nevada, or possibly in the Rhino neighborhood. And right now, I really and like Rhino is River North. Right. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right now, I also really like the Athmar Park neighborhood because all of those. Where's are, Athmar Park? Athmar Park is right at the intersection of I-25 and 6th Avenue. So it's about 10 minutes south of Denver. But it's all these older homes, really nice residential neighborhoods. So it's not super expensive, but you can buy a house there and rent it out and, and guarantee that the path of progress is going to run right over you and drive your par- property values up. I shouldn't say guarantee. That's where the $25,000 investment becomes 50000 in five years. Yes. And okay. again, no guarantees. No guarantees. That's, that's one of the no likely guarantees. areas. Is that the best thing you can tell somebody? There's no, I, I, you know, 
this looks really good, but there's no guarantees. Yes, because that is always true. No okay. stockbroker will tell you that. Nobody who invests in anything can tell you it's a guarantee. Now, when we met a few weeks ago, you told me this trade secret in, in, commercials, in commercials for real estate. There's one thing you cannot say, but it's said, and I've heard it said uh, in, in real estate. Remember that little phrase that you can't say? You know, or the you know the, the realtor can't tell you it can't you know or what investor can't tell you. Um, it probably would have been either it's guaranteed or it's safe or it's stable or stable, something like that. Stable. Yeah, yeah. This is going to be stable. Come yeah. on. Well, only a stable that Jesus got a stable. No one else gets stable. Um, <laughs> what 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 is what is considered stable? Uh, there's no. It's it's ebb and flow, isn't it? it yeah. You can never know. So here's. The the idea behind the type of real estate that I do, which is is buy and hold. You buy a property, you get rental income off of it, and you hold it. You don't go, turn around and sell it right away. The idea is that it's you not get flipping. You're not flipping a house. Correct. Yeah. You know, that, everybody else is flipping. It's flipping. Not a Let's flip. flip a house. Yeah. yeah. No. No. Um, the the idea is that you get roughly the same amount of cash flow every month with maybe a, a little bit of variance, five or ten percent here and there, depending on seasonality. If you have a renter move out or, or some you know something breaks, you can't rent a unit for a while, something like that. Right. Um, but when people think of stable, they mean it will never go away, it will never change. And the only way that you can even possibly think about that is getting some kind of bond, municipal bond, certificate of deposit. Um, and those are extremely low return rates. So people like 2%, often- Like 2%, 1%? Or even less, yeah. Uh, so or people, 0.5%, okay. Or even, or even 0.5, yeah. Right. People often trade perceived security for low returns. So I'm not saying that real estate like is a perfectly blue chip. secure. Yeah, uh-huh. uh, or, or blue chip stock. Not mm-hmm. even blue chip stocks are necessarily perfectly secure. No, Those went not. down in the crash as well. They did. So, But what is safer is, as I said, knowledge, knowing it, either having somebody who knows it really well, invest it for you and keeping a good eye on them, making sure Which they're, you. they're getting a good return. Yep. Yeah. Um, and having control over it. Real estate has control. I can't control anything about the stock market. I can't tell the owners of those blue chip companies, you should you should do this, you should do that, you should hire that guy, you should fire that CEO. In real estate- The mass can, mutuals, the prudentials of the right, world, yeah. Exactly. In, okay. in real estate, I can sell it, I can improve it, I can put another investor in it, I can raise my rents, I can lower my rents, I can do lots of things that make it controllable. So that's you're, why I you're really like the it. perfect investor to, to invest with. This is folks, this is why you should invest with Allison because she is so a she is so a positive. She's so a type that she's not going to not watch your money. It's those B guys or you know and and, and gals you give them their money they're like yeah whatever I get my commission I'm going to go. <laughs> well, we don't um, want to knock any, anybody else no, out. No, I know, investing. but I'm just saying this is why they should work with you because you you're going to follow through. I mean, you're going to you're going to make sure at least something, you know, uh, you know, something happens or, you know, good or bad. But I mean, at least you're going to follow through. Wouldn't you say that? Uh, absolutely. I appreciate you. I appreciate you saying that. And I, as I said, there are no guarantees, but I love doing this. And if somebody is going to invest with anyone, it should definitely be someone with a lot of knowledge. And, and why it. should people invest with you? Why? This is, this is your commercial now. now. Now it's time to say, why should people use Allison Kirschbaum? Um, we work in a very niche market of real estate that allows passive investors, people who just want to collect a check every month. They don't want to have to deal with management. They don't want to have to deal with tenants, get into some very specialized areas of commercial real estate, namely self-storage and assisted living, which are two buzzwords. Self-storage, really? Yes, which are two buzzwords in the commercial real estate Is self-storage just a moneymaker? Uh, it has been for me. Yeah. Now, it doesn't work in every market, just like anything else. But, but Colorado, with everybody moving here, sure. Well, it works anywhere there's change. It works with people losing jobs. It works with people gaining jobs because people want to store their stuff. If they don't have a house, they still want to keep their stuff. If they're moving in, they have more stuff they want to put somewhere. We're a consumer society, and all that stuff has to go somewhere. Yeah, and then what, and you also mentioned senior living. Yes, it, namely As the living. baby boomers are getting older. Exactly. I mean, the baby boomers are now uh, 56 to 70. 
Yeah. Well, the the first baby boomer started turning 65. Was it last year? It was no, very recently. No, no, five years ago. Five years. Okay. Yeah. There we go. Because the oldest ones are 70 now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And approximately 10,000 boomers a year yeah. turn 65. Correct. Which means that eventually in about 15 years, 75% of those people, depending on whose numbers you take, will need some form of assisted living. Which is 100 million, people in, 100 million people in our culture. Correct. Which it's is a huge a number of people. of people. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a field that's really exploding right now just because of that. So some of my investors will only do storage. So that's some where will only you, do assisted living. And that's where you're And I, I help them both with that. Okay. Yeah. So mm-hmm. self-storage and assisted living is your main focal point right now. Yes. At least right now. That could change in five, 10 years. But right now, that's where it is. Most, most likely in 10 years. Demographics and a lot of things have to change before I would change my focus like that. Do you ever see yourself leaving Colorado to do any other adventures? Or, or is, this such a, is this such a great market right now for the next 10 years? This is it. I actually work nationwide because oh, okay. Colorado is not the only great market. And the problem with really hot markets sometimes is prices get overinflated. I won't buy things that are overinflated. I, I won't pay $150 for something that costs $100, if you see what I mean. I do. So um, I actually also have properties in Texas and in Kansas right now. And we're looking to move into North Carolina, South Carolina, Wisconsin, and Utah. And these are these are the properties that you you handle for your, for the, your investors and you. Correct. correct. Combined. If you put all that together, uh, that's that's a lot. It's a lot of responsibility, but remember, I have a great team but remember, so. yeah, remember you, you watch barns with animals in it. So <laughs> I'm pretty sure you can, I'm pretty sure you can handle buildings that don't move or have anything that move in them. Little acorns make big oaks. Yes. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good saying. What's next for you? I mean, you're, 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 you're a young entrepreneur. Um, what would you tell women, you know, who are 17, 18, who maybe don't want to go to college and, and really just kids don't, you don't have to go to college. You don't have to. Our culture kind of forces you into it. You don't have to go yes. to be very successful. I mean, you're a perfect example. You know, there's Bill Gates, there's Jimmy Buffett, there's Warren Buffett. You know, there's a lot of people, oh, actually Warren Buffett did go. But I mean, there's a lot of people who didn't go who are very, very successful people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people, some people look at success as financial. Some people look at success as, as who you are mm-hmm. and the way you carry yourself. And other people look at success on how you treat your family and, and how, what you can do for your family financially after you're gone, mm-hmm. uh, meaning death. Um, in your case, you're, you're, the sky's the limit for you. Absolutely. Um, and, and, and you're kind of self-taught, but you're also teaching others. What would you tell to young women, young women entrepreneurs and men too? Um, what would you tell them that your secret is? There is no secret to success. There, people say it's hard work. People say it's, it's being able to speak well. People say it's, it's putting in the hours. It's all of those things. It's all of those things. It, it's having a routine to, to get up and, and read and sell, improve yourself every morning. Um, it's having a routine to be, to be healthy, to meet the right kinds of people, to go out and network, to, to continuously improve your website. There's so many things that people need to do to be successful. There is, there is no one thing. It's, it's, I mean, the, it's, the, it's, the key, I would say the key is to keep going, decide where you want to be and yeah. just keep going. It's almost like being a Boy Scout. I'm an Eagle Scout. It's like being trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent. Exactly. I mean, it's all 12 of those things. It's all 12 of those things. I had to memorize that at age 12. And both um, my brothers are Eagle Scouts. I sympathize. <laughs> so, um, but that, that, that is life. It really is. Yeah. And, and, and for you, it being, being where you're at in life right now, what's next? I mean, you're already successful. Uh, financially, you're successful. Socially, you're successful. You carry yourself well. You're, you, you, you have no problem talking to strangers. What's next? Are you going to write a book? Are you going to teach people? Are you going to help people? What's, what's next for you? Um, because you've already got your niche. You know what you're doing. You're fine. Yes. Yeah. What's next? 
Next thing is to grow the, grow the quantum group to a business that can offer a, uh, a regulated REIT, which is a real estate investment trust, uh, or, and or several different types of funds that would allow investors of even lower means than, than $25,000, as little as $1,000, to be able to partner with us on different projects no, to, give, to give more opportunity to yeah, more investors. Kind of like the penny stocks. Correct. Right. Yeah. Only only thousand dollars. Right. Exactly. So it's a penny stock <laughs> of real estate, um, and there are companies that do that already, but there there are a few that do the niche real estate that we do. Uh, it would also be yes to write a book, as you said, to to help mentor others to not just in real estate, but to become that that force in the magazine or the book or on TV that that little spark of inspiration that says, you know what I'm doing, I I can definitely be better at this because that gal did something. Yeah. So. The homeschool millionaire. We, we've <laughs> right. already we've already written the book. That's right. Homeschool Wait, we got the title. Homeschool, awesome. homeschool millionaire, right there. Um, it is. It is a. It is a treat to have you on, and, and I can't thank you enough for being here. How can people find you? How can people, you know, where can they, you know, find you in the future if they want to get in touch with you and and talk to you and these young entrepreneurs who want to learn from you? What, where, where can they find you? Uh, right now, you can find me personally on LinkedIn. You can find the Quantum Group LLC on LinkedIn. Uh, you can also look us up on Facebook, like us on Facebook. Or you can go to our website, www.quantumize. That's quantumize.org. Allison, this has been a a journey in your life. I mean, you're, and and you're still going strong. Um, your parents are, are are just watching you you grow. Your your brothers and uh, your brothers are watching you grow. Um, where do you see yourself in ten years? Ten years. Quite honestly, I thought I'd be a, a multimillionaire by now. But since that hasn't happened, I'll have to be a billionaire in 10 years. Okay. Uh, in 10 years, I want to have been a 12-time New York Times number one best-selling author, fiction okay. and nonfiction, um, because I do like to write. That's my one little hobby. Um, you want to be on the top 40 under 40, right? Oh, I want to be on, I want to be on the 30 40. under 30, you want to and be 30 then 40 30, under 40, yeah. Okay, 30 under 30, 40 under 40, all right. Yep. All right, gotcha. What else? Um, you're, writing, you're writing a letter to yourself right now. Exactly. I, I need to be a serial entrepreneur because one business is never enough for any, any good entrepreneur will tell you that you need to have more than one, sure. um, whether it's concurrently or, or in sequence. I want to own a staffing company, a content management company. Uh, at this point, that may change. No, yeah. Uh, and also, they, I really have a soft spot for people with food allergies because I've struggled with that my entire life. And there is no reliable you can way. You help my cousin in California. Well, I can help a lot of people. There's sure. no reliable way to find out what allergens are in 99% of all the things that we consume every day. Lotions, vitamins, sports products, sports nutrition. I had the hardest time finding products that were safe for me in sports nutrition. I want to create a, a database and a shopping service very much like Instacart specifically for people with food allergy concerns or, or even um, lifestyle food concerns like vegans or, or uh, halal or kosher or, kosher or any of those types of concerns uh, to be able to find the products that they need without spending literally hours in the grocery store every week like my poor mother and I had to do. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And, and that's where, anything else you want to add to that? Uh, that's it for now. Check, check with me in two years. <laughs> I got you. We'll, we'll have you on in two years and we'll see, what you, we'll see what's going on with you. Right. Are you ready for Rob's fast five questions? Absolutely. All right, here we go. Where do you find your bliss? You know, you're so busy and you're so committed to your life and your work and what you're doing. Where, where do you do for bliss? Where do you find your, your freedom? Um, what do you do for your freedom? Oh, my. I, I will... There are two ways I get that. There's the endorphins from working out, like a really good run or running up a mountain. That's a lot of fun. And I also get it through... Running fiction. up a mountain? Yeah, okay, like fourteeners. Sure. I climb fourteeners yeah. with my brother, yeah, you know, yeah. um, and also through fiction writing. I just have I've always written stories. I've always told stories ever since I was a two year old. So I find that to be a lot of fun. If you could be any animal, what one would you be, and why? Ooh, a lion. Why? Because it's not only uh, it's a my female, sign. A, a, I'm female, a, Leo. a female lion. 
Uh, well, so you'd be I, a Nittany line. You need to go to Penn State. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only, one, of the, one of the only schools that has a female mascot. You know that? That's horrible. Well, I, I think it almost well, horrible. It's just a, just as it is. Oh, I, I kind of almost rather be the male because the male is the one with the with the mane and the presence and <laughs> well, all you, that. You got that. You got that at other schools, but no, it is Nittany Lions is one of the only. Only uh, Penn State's one of the only schools that has a female mascot. Well, technically, lions are matriarchal, so the That's females true. rule the clan. That's but, true. That's so. very true. Yeah. Um, so a lion. So you don't want to be a, a male and a female lion every now and then. You want to switch I, over. Yeah. It, no, male, male <laughs> I'll be the female when I eat, qualities. and then when I want to be the male, and I just want to lounge. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I was born a Leo. I'm going to die a Leo. I might yeah. as well be the lion. Yeah, I'm so. a Capricorn, so I'm a goat. Oh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, it's bad. Not it's, good it's for the goat. Bad. Sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so a lion. That's yeah. wonderful. And you're Leo. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So your birthday's coming up. Yep. Oh, oh here we go. Mm -hmm. um, and and, and <laughs> when you travel, like if when you when you become that, you know, multimillionaire, um, where do you want to go first? Ireland. I want to backpack across Ireland. I am a huge Celtic and, and British Isles history buff. Okay. So I'm going to be that person who, who's running across Ireland, grinning like an idiot. Oh my gosh, here's this site, and there's that site, and here's where this person's first stepped on. This on is where Brave. This is where Braveheart was filmed. That was Scottish. Right. Right. Okay. Great. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's this is where wherever uh, movies were filmed. No, I was kidding. I don't know. But that's really what it is, Ireland. Oh yeah, that's wonderful. Absolutely. What a great dream. When you when you um, settle down, when you when you realize, hey, I, I've reached a, I've reached a pinnacle uh, of my career. Um, is there a pinnacle for you? Is there a pinnacle for an A positive, a, a super A? I don't know what I'd say it. Is there, a, is, there, is there a pinnacle for a super, super A person? For any truly successful person who wants to stay successful, there is no getting to the top and saying, I'm done, I'm not doing this anymore. I mean, because Warren Buffett's in his 80s. He's still going strong. But, exactly. but, but Bill Gates, on the other hand, has kind of taken a step back. He's saying, you know, you guys can run it. I'm going to go over here and do what I really want to do. Give my money away, help people. Yeah. And then, you know, but he still has a cause in uh, life. Of course, yeah. philanthropy. So. Yeah. So yeah, there's no such thing as really stopping. I don't I don't see a pinnacle at this point. I just see it getting better and better and higher and higher and being able to help more people and influence more people. In 10 years, in 10 years in your 10-year plan, when they let's say they reboot Shark Tank. You know, Shark Tank ABC's kind of yeah, okay, it's old now, we're going to stop it for a while. Would you see yourself being on the next next uh, cast of Shark Tank? Oh, absolutely. Wouldn't that be that fun would be for awesome. you? Wouldn't that be fun for oh, you? Oh yeah. Sitting there going, I don't know. <laughs> Well, I never don't know. I, <laughs> like, I don't I think just that's a good idea. To tell you. <laughs> like the most bonehead I think I can do. Do you like your generation? Are you above your generation? Are you below? Are, are you? Do you feel like you're above the millennials, or you feel you're right with them? And if you do feel like you're right with them, or not with them, where do you where where do you categorize yourself? Because you're very mature for for a millennial. Thank you. Um, where do you like that? Do you like being in that group? Um, I think that. It's not just millennials who get a rap, bad rap. It's been every younger generation for the past however many generations we've all been on earth. That happens all the time. Um, I don't like the fact that millennials get such a bad rap. And I don't like... What is the bad rap they're getting? People, they're not lazy. They're smart. They well, But the, there's a difference between uh, being just, smart and being hardworking. So the problem... Oh. So lazy and smart, you can actually be both. Smart is a capability. Lazy is what you do with that capability. Um, so I do feel that my generation has, as my dad says, uh, majored in the minors. They're very <laughs> concerned about how well they do on a video game or, or what people think of them on social media. And it's a virtual thing. It doesn't it really, really matter. No. So I feel like my generation has a big problem with that. I wouldn't say that I'm above them. Because, because they care so much what people say about them on Facebook and YouTube and Twitter and They let themselves Snapchat get sucked and into that. And it stuff. keeps them from being the people that they should be. They're the people everybody else thinks they should be. Okay. Yeah. So I... Yeah, I, I would say that they need to be um, 
they need to be utilizing their gifts in something besides the virtual world. Yeah. What's your favorite name? Favorite name? Yeah. Um, like a name. June. You like I like June. the name June. You like the name June. Mm-hmm. So you name your next animal June. <laughs> Possibly. Okay. <laughs> thank you so much for being on the show. We, we cannot thank you enough for being here with us. Hope you had a good time and, and we'll, we'll chat in a couple of years to see where you're at. How about that? Sounds great. Thanks a lot, Rob. Thank it's you. Great being here. This is, uh, this is the topic of conversation. I thank you all for being here and listening. And I just want to remind you to laugh and listen and talk as much as you can. Wake up every day with a purpose to do good things for yourself and others, just like Adelson does. And you never know, we might find you, we might call you to join us right down here at Brooklyn, Original Brooklyn's, 100 yards away from where the Broncos play in downtown Denver as our topic of conversation. My name's Rob Scoggins, I'm your host, and we'll see you next time. Have a great day and good night.
take a snow hunting all the time, never close our eyes. Me. Mm-hmm.